0: Guys, welcome in to another edition, another live show on the TWSN YouTube channel. Uh, we got a great show for you guys—a jammed pack show. Uh, of course, as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Jake. How are we doing? Ooh,
1: tired. Lots of uh, lots of Senior Bowl stuff today, myself yeah. and Daniel, but lots of fun and hopefully some some film watching tonight if the film gets updated as expected. But I'm happy to be here as always. A lot of stuff to talk about.
0: Yeah, Daniel, how about you? How was your senior bowl experience so far?
2: It's been awesome, man. It's been a great day so far. Excited for the rest of the week, but honestly, just excited to talk about my boy Tom Brady,
3: right? I mean, yeah.
2: just excited for it.
0: Max, how about you, man? How you doing?
3: Good. Back settled at Clemson. Um, I'm excited to talk about this, uh, this McGregor fight, unexpected mm-hmm. results, and I'm sure we'll break it down soon enough.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm just excited about all everything that we got on the show today, jam packed show. But before we get started, we do want to remind you, of course, to subscribe to our channel. We just had over 400 subscribers. So that's awesome. But we're trying to hit 500 as soon as possible. So subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And also, of course, download our mobile app. That is right. Our TWSN mobile app It is the home for all of our content. So we would all really appreciate if you would go ahead and download our mobile app. And we're going to get going. Uh, we're going to start in the UFC. It was a wild, wild weekend of fighting in the fighting world. Um, obviously we all know, I mean, Poirier, he beat McGregor, uh, in a round two TKO. Um, and really, I think the question here is it's two bar question. How surprised were you about this result? And I also want to take this a little bit grander in that what effects do you guys think this could have on both of their, uh, the, both of the fighters' legacies? Max, uh, we will start with you.
3: Well, I was pretty surprised. Um, I remember I said last week, right. Uh, two weeks to three weeks prior to the pay-per-view, my gut told me Poirier by decision. He was the hotter fighter. Uh, he had been very active that uh, the past calendar year compared to McGregor's one fight. Um, but then, you know, I feel like me and most people bought into the McGregor hype. We saw him wearing the flashy suits, the nice watches, um, you know, doing his thing with the media. And he just seemed like he had an aura of confidence about him that it would, it would be hard to go against In prediction-wise. But obviously we saw what happened. It was a round two knockout by Poirier. Poirier was the more motivated fighter, surprisingly enough, or was it really surprisingly enough? I mean, look at it. Look at the way that the first fight went between these two. Um, you know, McGregor ended him pretty easily, pretty quickly in the first round and Poirier was embarrassed and and Poirier has been working hard to get to this point, uh, to have a rematch with McGregor and to ultimately, you know, get his revenge. And he did just that in, 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 a fine form. So, To answer your question about their fighting legacy, I think Poirier's fighting legacy has already been on the up since the last fight against McGregor. Um, You know, he won the interim title at lightweight. Um, He also, you know, fought a good fight against Habib. He's dominated or he's been in a few wars against some really, really marquee guys over the years. Um, And now this knockout uh, against McGregor puts him right back in the lightweight title contention uh, picture. Uh, should Habib not return? I think he should be fighting for a vacant title against Michael Chandler. I'm sure we'll get into that later on. Um, and for McGregor, he's done everything you need to do in the sport. He's the, he's a double champ, right? He was the first double champ um, in the history of the sport. And I think there's two clear decisions for McGregor here. I think it's either retire, just call it quits, you know, move on. You have a lot of money and maybe just pursue a boxing career because you can make a lot of money doing that. Or... I think a good bounce back fight for McGregor would be that trilogy fight against Nate Diaz. This is the perfect time for that fight. I don't think you need to rush into that fight against Poirier. I think Poirier has bigger aspirations, and that is a title fight for a vacant title. Um, And I think, yeah, you know, the next fight I see McGregor fighting in should be the trilogy fight against Nate Diaz, or he should just seek out retirement
2: yeah, I mean, just to add on to that a little bit. Um, we I bought into the hype, right? I mean, Conor McGregor, you know, flashy everything. You know, he's got the confidence on the big stage, bright lights. Everything about it was pointing towards McGregor, and then he lost the fight. So, I mean, my biggest takeaway is it pretty much it doesn't damage McGregor's legacy, but it pretty much hinders his ceiling, right? His ceiling where a lot of people were discussing him in the top 10 of UFC fighters of all time and now you can't really look at his entire body of work and say that's top 10 Um, but that's pretty much all I have to say I mean um, Poirier fought a great fight I obviously love how McGregor is a great sport after every loss he takes it like a man is very humble not not saying I should have won that he's very humble in his losses but yeah I mean it pretty much just hinders uh, McGregor's ceiling for the rest of his career
1: yeah mcgregor's next options i i would be surprised if he didn't fight nate diaz like i would well i would be surprised if he are tired i think he has at least three fights he, he has a he has a couple of fights left on his contract um but i would be certainly surprised if he's not fighting nate, nate diaz next and, and and you might say to me well there's no more hype left with that fight you're like is that the the second fight happened so long ago and just go look at some of these like videos on, on YouTube, these hype videos for a potential trilogy fight. See the bad blood between the two. They'll it, it will be one of the most hyped up fights in UFC history. It will be a main event, clearly. But as as far as Dustin Poirier goes, yeah, I was surprised because yes, I also fell into the into the the motivated Mac trap, like mostly everyone did. But Dustin Poirier is a fighter who is clearly the best in the division, not named Habib. He is, is the arguably the hottest fighter on the planet outside of Israel Adesanya. He hasn't lost. He's won eight of his last eight of his last ten fights since he lost to McGregor. One of those was a draw, or one of those was a no contest. He, he's arguably the hottest fighter on, on the planet, and anyone who ever fights Conor McGregor, they they always. Like, their, their value always goes down just because they're fighting Conor McGregor. And I've never understood what—well, I understand why that is. I've never really gotten it, and, and I've never agreed with it. Like, Dustin Poirier is, should not have been that much heavier, like, of an underdog. He's arguably the better fighter. He probably is the better fighter, as we saw on Saturday night. Dustin Poirier is the, the best fighter in this division. He should be—he's the champion right now. He, in my opinion, he is the champion. He said that after the fight. In my eyes, Justin Poirier is the champion right now. His next fight will be for the title. He's going to handpick his opponent. Uh, probably Michael Chandler. We'll talk about that later. But he's he's the best in the world right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, speaking of Michael Chandler, that's our next topic. Obviously, we're going to move on to the other big headline of the night uh, from UFC 257. And that is, you know, Chandler obviously pretty much decimating Hooker uh, and with a round one TKO. Um, and really, the question here is how much do you think he proved uh, with this win?
1: He proved everything, because coming from Bellator, the dominating Bellator for so long. I, I remember watching a couple of his fights, and yeah, I, I the Mizzou flag in, in the back, and obviously I love this guy, but he proved that he, he can hang with the best, because Dan Hooker is is no scrub himself. He's a top five fighter in the lightweight division. He, he's um he he's certainly up there in top four, top five consideration, and just just knocking him out and really just just decimating him in your first UFC fight. Dana White said it best in Saturday's presser. He was like normally most of these guys come in and they show some rust in, in their first fight. And for Michael Chandler, he hasn't even fought in, in, uh, in about eight months. So it's, it's a pretty long turnaround for him, just in just for, for fighting shape in general, but to come into the UFC beat one of their top guys and then call out the entire division. Like this guy's a beast. And he's, he put the whole division on notice.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, Going into this fight, Hooker was the favorite, and I think deservedly so. After the war he fought against Dustin Poirier, people are people forget about how good Dan Hooker is, right? Dan Hooker is no slouch. For Michael Chandler to go in there, in my opinion, he's pre, he was pretty significantly undersized um, against a guy like Dan Hooker, who I've said you know has a pretty pretty um, respectable career track and career record, um, and, and just finish him in such a dominating fashion the way that he did speaks a lot to how legit Michael Chandler really is. And, and I think he's more than deserving of the title shot against probably Poirier. Um, and I think that'll be an, an incredible fight to watch. And I think that'll, uh, you know, put the lightweight division right back to its position of prominence within all the weight classes in the UFC. Yeah,
2: yeah not, not really much to add to that. They both pretty much hit the nail on the head.
0: Yeah. I mean- Obviously, yeah, Michael Chandler proved a heck of a lie. Yeah, I don't really have my dad either because he was obviously the underdog and he just came out and made a complete statement. Uh, so, I mean, let's just tie all this in together. Uh, let's link what happened in you know UFC 257 with what could happen in the future. Uh, do you guys, I think, do we all think that Chandler versus Poirier is the next big fight in this division? And is there anything else that we, we could see from McGregor? We, obviously, you guys mentioned McGregor versus Nate Diaz as well. Ah, uh, but do you guys think that Chandler versus Poirier is the next big fight in this division? And how do you guys think that I would pan out at this point moment in time?
1: I certainly is, think it's bound to happen. I wouldn't make that next. I and as much as I love Michael Chandler, I think he should take down Oliveira first because Oliveira is number three in the rankings right now. Uh, and and again, I I said this on the uh, our post fight show on Saturday night that we did pretty late. On Saturday so pretty much it was Sunday morning actually was, that's how late it was that Oliver ha- has been a- around the block a while he's not new to this he-, he hasn't really gotten a title shot I don't think ever but Michael Chandler should not jump him just because he beat Dan Hooker in a minute and a half two minutes so that should be the next fight I make the one problem is that's a, that's a, a long turnaround for Dustin Poirier if like he-, he didn't get damaged that badly in this fight so if he wants to fight for the title in the next nine to ten months then that's a tough decision for Dana White to make. But I think in a perfect world, we need to see Oliveira and Chandler next for, for the number one contendership. And then uh, McGregor, I think, should fight Nate Diaz. If not, there's still a ton of open books left for his career. He, he could go fight for the BMF title against Jorge Masvidal. Uh, he could go fight uh, Justin Gaethje in, in a, a fight between the two two of the best strikers in UFC history. And maybe if he wins one or two more fights, we see a, a trilogy fight versus Dustin Poirier.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree with your point about Oliveira. The way I would map it out is maybe have um, Chandler against uh, Poirier for the title fight, and then maybe have Oliveira versus Gaethje to decide, uh, you know, and then winners of those two fights would fight each other.
1: Yeah, that's also – people are completely forgetting about Justin Gaethje because Justin Gaethje, other than losing to uh, to Poirier a while ago, his last two losses, I believe, have been to Poirier and and Habib, the two best. So – McGregor lost to both of them so did Justin Gaethje so now there's Michael Chandler Oliveira and the Knicks who don't have those losses but also but also they don't have the premier win so people are definitely forgetting about Justin Gaethje that's a great point yeah
3: so I I think you put Gaethje against Oliveira. I think that would be an incredible fight very very different stylistically and I think it would be very entertaining to watch um and then obviously I think just just for box office purposes you got to put in Chandler Overall, Lavera, I know, might not sound right, but I think for box office purposes, it would be the bigger fight. Put in, uh, put him against Poirier, that would be a great fight. And then, obviously, Nate and Connor. I, I know that there's talks of them actually maybe fighting at 155, so that would be another lightweight fight uh, for both of these guys. So maybe that puts the winner of that fight into, you know, a position to be one fight away from a title fight. Who knows? Um, but the lightweight division, even without Habib, the future for that division is... You know, the, the sky's the limit for that division.
2: Yeah, even though I'm new to the sport, I saw Oliver's fight against Tony Ferguson, and that was an absolute masterpiece. Like, that was one of the fights where I was like, okay, I I need to see him go up against one of these other top dogs. So I completely agree with you guys on how, even though, um, uh, Max, you said it wouldn't necessarily be the the box office fight, I still think Oliver deserves a chance. But, yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think taking all this in and everything, there's one thing that is for certain, that's the what happened on Saturday has definitely changed the trajectory of the lightweight division in the UFC uh, in the immediate future. So it's going to be exciting to see what happens next. Uh, but we're going to move on. Uh, we're going to change gears a little to uh, some one NBA topic. Uh, before I do uh, we get into that, I would like to say that um, obviously today is a pretty tragic day in the NBA world and just the sports world in general. Obviously, a year ago, uh, Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gigi, And of course, seven others uh, tragically passed away um, after that helicopter crash. And so I think I just want to say that we're all I think this goes on behalf of all of us. We're all uh, obviously praying and just wishing for the best for all of their families and loved ones uh, that they can get move, uh, get through this, you know, the tragic events that happened uh, a year ago. And so rest in peace, uh, Kobe Bryant, D.G. Bryant, and of course, everyone else that passed away.
2: Yeah, real quick. I just the best way, in my opinion, to honor somebody is to really take what they've done and use it to your life so like for kobe bryant what i've always done it's the motivation right it's the motivation the grind the waking up early that's something he's always preached he's always preached out practice 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 whatever you do in life you have to hit it a hundred times a thousand times a million times until you become good at it and that's something i think we all have to carry within ourselves whatever it is whatever you love to do do it and give it your all
0: yeah Absolutely, man. Absolutely, Mamba mentality every day. Um, so, I mean, let's get into our one NBA topic, uh, and that's about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, obviously, they made uh, a couple weeks ago a huge trade, a lot, and one of the biggest trades in my opinion in NBA history, uh, acquiring James Harden in a four-way, tra- four-team deal. Uh, and you know, since then, they've played three games uh, as with the big three. They're two and one. Uh, they beat the Heat twice, and they lost to the their opening game to the Cavaliers. Uh, so, I mean, really, the question here, guys, is currently constructed. Where do we see the Brooklyn Nets this season? Do we see them as Eastern Conference favorites, title favorites in general, and can they go to so with the Los Angeles Lakers?
3: Um, I don't think they could compete with the Lakers for a championship quite yet. I think that they're lacking in depth. I think they're lacking in overall defense. I just don't know who can guard LeBron and Anthony Davis on that team. They're lacking size. I know that there's rumor that they might trade for JaVale McGee or they might you know, even try to force a buyout for Andre Drummond and bring him on board. I don't think that you know solves any problems. I, for one, call them frauds. I don't think they're going to be. I don't think they're going to even be in the NBA finals. Um, I think that they could be beat by a Boston. I think they could be beat by a Milwaukee. Um, you know, it should Giannis uh, improve his game a little bit from, the, especially from the free throw line, and become less of a liability there. Um, so until I see the proof is in the pudding, look, talent wise, absolutely, I think you have to call them favorites in the East. T- uh, you know, in terms of talent and the, and the roster, but. I just think when it comes to defensive their defensive liability and their and their issue with depth um, and frankly lack of coaching experience I know Steve Nash is okay but he's this is his first time ever being a head coach I think you have to put a Boston um, or a Milwaukee into in some serious consideration out of the east and should Brooklyn get out of the east I don't think they stand a chance against the Lakers yeah, I mean the biggest thing is right now you have to call them
2: the favorites. I don't give a damn how they're looking right now. I don't care what their depth's looking like. If you have those three superstars on your team, you are definitely the favorites out of the East, not in the NBA Finals, just out of the East. As far as the NBA Finals go, you have to get a big man because Andre Drummond killed them, and uh, Bam Adebayo. <laughs> both games. <laughs> they're they're former so, player. <laughs> like it's. It's, it's ridiculous what they're doing without without size. DeAndre Jordan is – he's meh, right? He's meh. He's not somebody that's going to defend Anthony Davis. So that's my biggest issue with the Brooklyn Nets. Besides all the chemistry issues, because in the playoffs, you have those three on the floor. You always stand a chance. But that size disadvantage against a guy like An- Anthony Davis, I'm not trusting it right now.
1: Um. Yeah. So I have been on the record – Weeks before the Harden trade happened, I said if they got James Harden, I think it'd be a mess at the beginning, and then they actually got James Harden, and they gave up a lot more than I thought they would in terms of players. Obviously, you would have had to give up the maximum amount of picks, but they also gave up two very good players, and there was news today about Karis Levert having surgery to remove uh, some some form of cancer, so <laughs> prayers out to him. But uh, obviously him, Jared Allen, two, two very key players that they gave away in addition to all those draft picks. I tweeted that the Nets got worse that, that day. That day I think the Nets got worse. They don't Jay. play defense and they have no depth. You can't win. in the, Now I think that in the postseason they're going to figure out a way to beat, to beat Milwaukee because teams have proven it's not that difficult to beat Milwaukee in April and May. Um, I think that they'll find a way to get through Boston – Boston has, has, I think Boston's the second best team in the East right now. And also Philly, who I don't trust either. So the East is a mess, uh, kind of like it was last year with the with the five-seeded Miami Heat getting to the finals. It was kind of a mess. The, the, the top teams were either missing players or just could not be trusted. But uh, this team cannot beat the Lakers. I, I think the Lakers either sweep them or finish, on, finish them off in five, just because, of how well the Lakers are scoring these days, but also how good that, that they can defend. The Lakers probably win four four games, one thirty five to one fifteen, pretty convincingly in, in that series. But I I do think that they would comfortably, squeakingly, buy, get out of the East. Jake, we're not we're just not
2: gonna like let that go. What you just said. They didn't explain to me like elaborate, right? Uh, the, the Cavs, Nets, came... the
1: Brooklyn Nets got worse because they added James Harden. Let's hear it. Well. Unless for whatever – and I said this weeks ago. Unless for whatever reason I – mean, You just reminded the, us
2: that you said that. The, so no, no. Believe so that.
1: unless the rules of basketball suddenly have changed in the last two weeks, to my knowledge, you still play with one basketball. And when you yeah. have three good players and then the rest are, what, TLC is a rookie and he's like their fifth best player now, hmm. you can't win. Like there's, their, their backup small forward and their backup center are both Jeff Green who hasn't been good in six years. It's played well this year. I don't I don't know what – well because well, he's well because Jeff Green is, years, is averaging yeah. thirty plus minutes because there's no one else. I think so, I so think there are they are a, good there good are, there are a worse a basketball, basketball team than
3: what they were day one. Yeah, yeah. Jeff Green is not a good rotation piece for any basketball team. Okay. He's good, you know, to come in at the end of the game if the team's up by 20, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, bring in some valuable minutes every every game, maybe five to eight minutes. He's not a 30-minute game guy. I think they need some more depth. And I'm not gonna i I'm not gonna go out on a limb and say they got worse with Harden. I don't think you can get worse by getting Harden. Um, but I do think that the depth is ultimately gonna hurt them come playoff time for sure.
2: Yeah, you add a, a former MVP, a guy who scored 35, 36 a game, guy who's went on a run of 30 straight games of 30 plus points a game. And Obviously, like you can say the chemistry issues and you can say the lack of depth, but if they go out and trade for a center, like it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. You can't say they got worse, right? Because they're not winning a championship with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. But now with James Harden, well, those three, potentially you have a way better chance. I can't They, see-
0: they could have done something. They, they could have done it either way. Here's my two cents on this. Uh, I absolutely do not believe that the Nets got worse. However, they I will did it. not put them over the Lakers. Um, no, the Nets. I think absolutely got better. I think their championship odds increased. Um, obviously, I think it's a little. It's like this is this Brooklyn Nets team is like the ultimate boomer bust team, like that I've ever seen uh, on the basketball court. Because like the boom is like, yeah, they could win a championship. May probably. I don't think they're going to win it this year, but maybe next year or the in two years if they can actually like retool this bench in the off season, make a couple trades. Because currently constructed, I mean, map, them matching up with the Lakers. Uh, they're just not as good yeah. for several reasons. I mean, number one, the top two, like even like Kevin Durant's not better than LeBron. And I wouldn't say James Harden is better than Anthony Davis. Obviously they have Kyrie Irving to kind of, you know, counter balance that, but still their top two isn't better. Um, I mean, the Lakers chemistry is like a plus it, it, it's been amazing. And the Nets chemistry is just questionable to, to say yep. the least. Uh, the bench, I mean, the, the Lakers just added, they have Schroeder and mantra. They have a, an incredible bench. And ben, Brooklyn Nets, they all they have really, when it comes to rotation players, all they have is Joe Harris, who's good. And that, that that's basically it. DeAndre Jordan is not capable of being a starting center for a legitimate team in the NBA at this point.
1: Because he offers a little more room production. Go, go back to what year was it? That Hawks team that was the number one overall seed. But like, they had a bunch of shooters. They didn't play much defense. Like, this Nets team has just a bunch of shooters, a bunch of dudes. Well, three dudes, and then a bunch of young shooters. Joe Harris went two for 11 from three-point range the other night, and they lost to Cleveland. Like, that, that's not – obviously, two for 11 is not sustainable, but just relying on on shooting the lights out of the ball. Like, even the Golden State Warriors play defense. Clay is a great defender. That They had Draymond Green. And Steph, I think, is a very underrated defender when he's not matched up against LeBron James. So – this team plays absolutely zero, zero defense. Yeah. Yeah,
3: right. but even the so, difference between that and that Hawks team is that that Hawks team had – I would say they were better defensively for sure, and they had size, and they, that, they had a lot of size. That, that Hawks that team Hawks had team. four
0: All-Stars, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And,
3: and four All-Stars.
2: And so so yeah. we, want to, we want to compare the um, 2014 Hawks to the 2020 Brooklyn Nets. Let me just tell you something really quickly. This Nets team has three top 15 players. On their team, they have a former MVP, a guy who's and a guy who's one of maybe the best scorer in NBA history, and Kevin Durant. You got Kyrie Irving, who's another top 10 scorer. So, I don't want to compare like the Hawks team or even the Warriors team. This team has three legitimate superstars, and we've never really seen this before. And obviously, I've said their depth and the big man play needs to improve if they want to beat the Lakers but you have to give them a chance.
0: Right. And I think there's some external factors working against them too. Like it's been over two decades in the, in the NBA since a team that has had a, a top or a bottom 15 defense has won the NBA championship. Currently constructing the Brooklyn Nets are not going to have a top 15 defense, not even close. They're going to be one of the worst. 25 defense? Defense. <laughs> right. Exactly. Top 25. And it's like, they're so that even by that standard, they're just working against the odds there. The Lakers are clearly better on, just as a two-way basketball team, defense isn't even close. You could say the Nets obviously probably have a better offense, but it's not like that big of a gap. And then yeah, also, I, like, who cares? big threes like this, like, we've seen – it usually takes one – more like, the first season, a big three of this magnitude is constructed. We saw it with Miami. I mean, the Clippers last year were not, uh, obviously, a super team or, like, a big three, but they were the favorites, and they didn't get it done. So we've seen teams in the past that have just looked great, but in that first season, they just have not been able to get it done – for whatever reasons, they just have their, you know, on-court fit. They have to figure it out their first year. The Lakers, I mean, LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, is one of the best fitting duos that I've ever seen in my, life, in my life. It's just insane how well they work together. And it's insane how well that team fits overall together. I think they have a coaching advantage too. I mean, Frank, obviously Steve Nash is probably a better bat, pure basketball mind just because, I mean, he was an all-time great player. But he's in his first year coaching versus Frank Vogel, who's an extremely experienced coach. So I just I think you have to give the advantage to the Lakers. Okay. Any more to add? All right, guys, uh, we're gonna shift topics obviously to the NFL. I mean, you know, it was a busy weekend in the UFC, but it was really even busier in the NFL. Uh, we're gonna break down both conference championship games. You know, how about them Bucks, Daniel? How about Tampa, Tampa Bay? So Tom Brady, uh, you know, going to his tenth Super Bowl. Uh it's insane. I mean, there's really nothing else that needs to be said about that. But of course, of course, Tom Brady would be leading the team that hosts the Super Bowl for the first time in NFL history. Of course, Tom Brady would be leading that team. That's all I have to say about that. But they yeah. went three straight row games. They're going to the Super Bowl. Uh, but I want to break down this really specifically this game. Was this and really the Rodgers versus Brady? Because and truth be told, it, I wouldn't say the Rodgers-Brady matchup necessarily lived up to the hype, and they both kind of struggled in that second half. But do we think that this result of the Buccaneers advancing to the Super Bowl was more about what Rodgers was not able to do or what Brady was able to do in this game?
2: Um, Really quickly, I would just like to say, before um, the game happened on our last podcast, we talked about who had more pressure. And I'm sorry, we're looking at it now. If Tom Brady would have lost this game, we'd still be looking at him the same way, right? We'd, we'd t- probably blame this on Bruce Arians or blame this on the team, even though he threw it three interceptions. But now that Aaron Rodgers lost, you're going to see the narrative, right? You're going to see the narrative, can't win in the playoffs, can't win late in game, can't win when he's trailing. And because it's true, right? I, I know Jake and Max want to get into this and also Will wants I'll to get into Aaron Rodgers. But we're seeing it right now. Aaron Rodgers had far more pressure on him than Tom Brady did. So this game, right, I'm not going to say that Aaron or Tom Brady was the reason why the Bucks won or that Aaron Rodgers was the reason why the, the Packers won, but one guy won and one guy didn't, so.
0: I mean, and, I mean, h- historically, like, Brady wins these kind of games and Rodgers loses, so I mean, that's just kind of a, fa- a fact at this point. Jake, you can go.
1: Brady, Brady wins a crap ton of these games yeah. and yeah, and Rodgers just doesn't, but there, there's, there's so many things to go with this because yeah, you can talk about Brady, you can talk about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, but I know it's, it's not Aaron Rodgers' fault. I, I know it, it never is. So who, who are we gonna blame? Uh, let's blame uh Aaron Jones, cause, cause he, oh yeah. So let's start with Aaron Jones, cause I guess this game's his fault. Is he, he got drilled and fumbled. Oh my God, getting. Fumbling the football—that's crazy, right? It, ha- it happens; part of the game. People fumble. Uh, let's blame uh, Matt Lafleur, who's 20, 20, uh, 26 and, and six as a head coach. Suddenly, he he can't coach because he made the correct analytical decision to kick the field goal and make it a less than one position game. But no. I—I'm not saying no. I agree with it. But let's blame yeah. Matt Lafleur, who suddenly doesn't know how to coach. Okay, let's uh, let, let's blame oh Kevin King and the defense because um, you know Kevin King gave up that. That hail mary at the end at the end of the first half. How did Tom Brady get the ball though? Oh, Aaron Rodgers threw a pick. That's right to give Tom Brady the ball back with 45 seconds left. But also, let's blame the defense that forced three interceptions, two of which Aaron Rodgers followed up with a three and out and a punt, gaining less than 10 yards combined. Tom Brady wins these games. Aaron Rodgers does not waking up this morning. Aaron Rodgers has the same conference championship record as Donovan McNabb, and after twelve seasons in the NFC, Aaron Rodgers has one NFC title uh, uh, title win. Colin Kaepernick, Cam Newton, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Foles all have the same amount.
0: I'm pretty sure Rex Grossman might have the same amount as well. So.
1: Maybe, maybe Rex Grossman too, but but I'm. As well. I'm just going since Rodgers has came into the league. Also, Drew Brees, too. Drew Brees only has one, and we can get into that, talking about Drew Brees' legacy. But, yeah, the pressure was on Aaron Rodgers, and he did not deliver. He he does not deliver in these games. He never has. But his last 15 playoff games, he's 7-8, and eight, and he gets credit for all those wins, and it's never his fault for those losses.
3: It's entirely Rodgers' fault. I mean, Brady threw three interceptions in the second half. He looked like a shell of himself even in the first half. Um, And, you know, I know Kevin King played terribly, and I I think that's a valid, uh, you know, excuse. I think he had one of the worst games I've ever seen from a secondary player in my life. Um, But, you know, at the end of the day, the defense got the job done in the second half. It was up to Rodgers and the offense to put up points. They had three opportunities to take the lead. Three opportunities to come back in this game. And they, and they squander on each of them. The, thing, the biggest thing I have against uh, Rogers specifically in this game was, you know, in that situation, remember when LaFleur uh, called or decided to uh, kick the three instead of go for the, for the touchdown. That third and goal, you know, despite what many have argued, Rogers could have at least taken it to the one-yard line. He could have ran it himself. Instead of forcing it to Devontae Adams there in the end zone when he was double-teamed. Rodgers should have ran that football, even if he would have got tackled at the one. That's a a fourth and goal on the one-yard line. You're going to take that every day of the week, especially with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Make it at least manageable, man. I mean, that's on Aaron Rodgers for not making the right play. And frankly, even though I think Brady had a worse game because he threw three picks, what Rodgers did in the second half was inexcusable with regard to just not getting the job done. And that's unfortunately been the story of Aaron Rodgers' career when it comes to NFC championships and, 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 frankly, in the playoffs. He just, you know, in the regular season on a consistent basis, he proves why he's the top two quarterback in the league, but just can't get the job done. And I don't think this one was on coaching. Even though I don't agree with the Matt Lafour decision, I don't even think she, he should have even been in a position to make that call. I think they probably should have scored a touchdown if Aaron Rodgers made the right play. So I think Aaron Rodgers deserves all the blame here. I'm, can I say uh, one more thing about just the decision? Yeah. I just want to say one more thing
1: about the, the coaching decision. I want to say a quick theoretical, and I i thought about this the other night, and I, and I said it on, on a show yesterday. What if Matt LaFleur is there on fourth down? He looks at his quarterback who is 0 for 6 on his last six passes in the red zone. In that game, 0 for 4 targeting Devontae Adams. No one else can get open. Devontae Adams, he, he just can't find him. And he looks, okay, I have three timeouts. I have the two-minute warning. I can kick a field goal here and trust my defense that has been unstoppable in the second half. I don't trust Aaron Rodgers right now to make the right play. I'm going to kick the field goal and give it to my defense. So didn't work, but I would say over 50% of the time the Packers get the ball back with a chance to win the game there. And it it, it, it just didn't work. Jake, I would say there's, Jake, Jake, would say there's about- like far less percent that Aaron Rodgers would have gotten that on fourth down. He has to go eight yards. Like that is not a gimme. That's a full Jake, play eight Jake, yards. you're
3: talking about the league MVP. If, if you're not going to trust, trust the league MVP – If you're not going to trust the league – I'm not saying it would have succeeded, but I'm saying if you're not going to trust the league MVP to at least go out and win the game, who else are you going to trust, right? I understand It's not, it's not winning well. the game. That's, That's not the winning team. the game because he still would have had to get the, the, the two-point conversion well, and either way, team would have stop. The, put him in a better position to win is what right. I'm trying to say. Look, Listen. here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? I understand the defense was playing incredibly well, but how sustainable is it? Why would you want to give Brady the ball – with that lead, with that time left. I don't care if the defense has been playing well. It's just not a right decision. Listen, I understand analytically it might have been the right decision. I'm not saying it's the worst decision I've ever seen. I'm, I'm sure there's plenty of worse decisions out there. But if you're going to trust someone to go out and at least give you guys a fighting chance, it's the league MVP. Right. Listen,
2: I mean, I'm,
3: I'm not going to stand up here for this
2: Rogers slander. Like, Yes, the facts are that he hasn't won late in games, that he can't come back. But the reality is he's the league MVP. And in this game, you can't tell me that maybe he missed some throws and maybe he couldn't co- convert on third and down, on third down. They had no run game, right? This wasn't all in him. They rushed for 50 yards in the season where they were the fourth best in the league of rushing, right? The Bucks defense shut down Aaron Jones. The Bucks defense shut down the Packers' running game. And Rodgers still threw for 300 yards. 300 yards, only through one interception. Whoa, so I'm not going to act like this is all his fault. He threw it's the ball. Problem. Problem.
3: It was his he fault, did. Daniel. It's In the profound. second half, he had three opportunities. He had three opportunities to, to to go out and at least tie the game, and he failed on each and every yeah. one of those. He's a league MVP. He, need to, Both he needs to blame, he need, he he need to blame him for what he did.
2: Yeah, but the, it's Both not solely his fault. I think it's completely false for you guys to say this is solely his fault. I think it's a combination of everything. As we just said, On that fourth down, if that's me, you trust your league MVP. You trust your quarterback because if he can't get it done, why are you going to give the ball away? Your best part of your team is your offense all year long. All year long, you relied on your quarterback. All year long, you relied on your running game. And you're just going to go rely on your defense? I know that's how the game was trending, but late game. Who do you trust? You trust your guy. And if that
1: was me, I would have trusted Aaron Rodgers.
0: They have to rely on their defense because last, the last hunting the, in the fourth the last
1: 11 years, The last 11 years says that I should not trust Aaron Rodgers
3: in a, to win the game. That's what the that's that's is, what the last 11 years has said. My argument is very simple, right? I, I think, look, the Rodgers slander is justified for what he wasn't able to do in that fourth quarter. But I do think, and I agree with you, Daniel, that – In that situation, I understand you had to go eight yards and the offense wasn't trending or wasn't doing that well, but you got to trust the league MVP to make a play and at least give you guys a fighting chance. That I agree with.
0: Yeah, Yeah, so I mean, here's the way I see it. Uh, To me, this game absolutely reflected more on Rodgers. I think as a whole, when we look at what Brady has been able to do for this season is absolutely insane. I mean, I know, sure, they have like a stacked team. Their defense has taken major steps across the board, but like Tom Brady literally changed conferences and after a season – where it, myself included, I didn't say Brady was necessarily washed, but I was like, okay, Brady's on the decline. Look, at, I, you, Look at you, Will. Look at you, Will.
2: Praising Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, him. he's the
0: GOAT. I said, he like, after he came back from three, mm-hmm. he was the greatest of all time. That was – and everything since then, he's just been piling on to maybe be, like, the greatest team sport athlete of all time. So uh, it's just insane for Brady.
1: It.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you probably it's him or Jordan. Well, we don't have to mention Jordan or LeBron, but whatever. Tom Brady is – it's insane like he was I was one month we were literally like some of us might not even been born like people in our age group we literally weren't even born at, at the time that Brady went to his first Super Bowl and beat the Rams and now here we are like in college and he's still going to super Bowls I just think that's insane but when it comes to rogers I absolutely think that this game specifically was more about rogers I mean Aaron rodgers has an over 80 percent completion percentage in the red zone this year um for the entire season in his MVP year and he was two of nine. In this game two of nine i believe it was like oh for four, 0 for five targeting Devontae adams we already mentioned it the three points down the stretch that didn't run you didn't run the ball in. and even if he didn't get to the end zone he still would have gotten inside the five and then there's no way that matt lafleur is not going to go for it inside the five on fourth down and goal there's absolutely just no way so i mean i thought i was going to be giving a hot take today saying that rogers uh with my, my rogers take but i guess not i i was going to say that rogers this is a hot take but I guess not. It's that he's had an underachieving career given his talent and skill. Like I remember, he's the I most talented quarterback that I've ever seen play the game. Like when he has natural throwing skill, and to like, let me just read out these numbers. Obviously, he's one and four in conference championship games. He's made two playoff game-winning drives, and they were both against the Cowboys. And his entire playoff career, he's seven and eight since they won the Super Bowl into two a decade ago against the Steelers. And he's one and eight when he trails and at halftime in the playoffs. That is just not good enough for Aaron Rodgers, who is a first ballot Hall of Famer and one of the greatest, most skilled quarterbacks that the game has ever seen. That's just not good enough at all. And I think you can, you know, in the past, i bl- you know, against the Seahawks in that conference championship, it was like, okay, well, if Brandon Bostic, if it just caught the dang onside kick, they would have won the game. And if, you know, the Packers defense absolutely wilted against the Falcons in 2016. And then last year, the 49ers were just a better team than the Packers. But to me, the Packers... They should have been the better team today. They had all the opportunities. The Packers defense stepped up enough, and Rodgers just did not get it done.
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, just to finish off, I I agree with you on that because obviously while I'm not going to blame this one game on him, if you look over the course of his entire career, uh, you have to win games, right? There is no ifs. There's no ands. There's no buts. It's like the same thing with the Saints. You can't blame a ref four straight years in a row. You can't. And Aaron Rodgers, even though he's had a tremendous career, even though he's the league MVP this year, over the course of his career, you have to say it's been underwhelming.
0: We want to move on to the AFC Championship, guys. I think we're good. All right, let's do it. Um, AFC Championship game here. I think there's a little bit less to break down. I mean, reality is the Chiefs are just too good for the Bills. Uh, they, to me, they just they pulled into an extra gear. Uh, that the Bills just cannot simply match. Um, so the question here is really about the game that happened. It's really about the game that's going to happen in a couple of weeks, which is the Super Bowl. So, I mean, how can or how can the Bucks stop the Chiefs from repeating? And more specifically, this offense, because they're just obviously they were too good against the Bills. So what do we think here?
1: So we're doing Super Bowl preview now.
0: I mean, this, do, okay. Do you think the Chiefs can be stopped? Like, is, is well, yes, really yes, tough.
1: I do. Because go go back to the second half of the chiefs bucks game, but that was that was all the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like that was that was theirs. That that was their half, and and since then, that kind of that that definitely flipped a switch because they've been the best, if not the second, first or second best offense or just team since that second half, the last six and a half, seven and a half games since that second half of the, the game against Kansas City. So they've shown that they can do it. Can, like, Tyreek Hill had like 250 yards, two touchdowns in the first half, and then was shut down the second half. So they figured something out. I think the first half was an outlier, and this game's going to be a lot closer than people think.
2: Um, I'm not necessarily there to say that the Buccaneers can beat the Chiefs. Obviously, any team has a chance, but the reality is, what the chiefs showed me on sunday was the fact that if they're on nobody's beating them right because the buffalo bills this year you could say they had a better roster you can say they had a much more talented roster than the kansas city chiefs but Patrick mahomes even with a concussion even with the turf toe he looked unstoppable right Tyreek Hill is the best weapon in the game travis kelsey played tremendously And the defense, right, they threw different schemes at Josh Allen, a quarterback who was in the MVP conversation this year. So my thinking is with this game, one, Tom Brady, you can't beat yourself, right? You can't throw an interception and you cannot turn the ball over. That's the biggest thing. And then two, you got to force turnovers. I don't know how. I don't know why. The Buffalo Bills, the biggest thing they didn't do, they couldn't force pressure on Patrick Mahomes. So that's one thing you have to do. You just got to pray that Mahomes makes mistakes. That's the biggest thing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, we saw we saw it against Buffalo. Buffalo's defense is no, is no joke, right? Yeah. Uh, we know that their, their, you know, defensive line can get to, to can put pressure on any quarterback. Uh, we know that they have probably the best safety doing in all of football. And we know that they have a top three corner in Tre'Davious White, so they have everything you need on a defense to be successful. And even they couldn't do anything against the Chiefs for the second straight time in the same season, right? So it's gonna be tough for the Bucks, man. I mean, listen, you can never count Brady out. I learned that the hard way by taking the Packers um, last week, but um, you can never count Brady out. And I just, but I'm gonna have to lean Chiefs here only because I just think Patrick Mahomes is on a different level. And I think this this game is going to kind of symbolize a passing of the guard of sorts from one GOAT to another, to a future GOAT.
2: Yeah, and that's another thing. This Super Bowl has, the storyline is there, right? We haven't really had a Super like, I'm amped up for this because I'm a huge Brady guy, but honestly, like, if Patrick Mahomes win this, it's literally symbolizing the changing of the guard. But just to finish off what I was saying, you have to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. That's been the key to really beating this Chiefs team for the past two years, right? The San Francisco 49ers last year in the Super Bowl. They got pressure on him, and that's why they were close to winning. So you're going to need to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Make him feel your presence. Like I said, pray that he makes some mistakes.
1: How about this, guys? Uh, And, you know, this we're kind of wrapping it up sort of. But I want to have one more topic. And I was planning on saying this next week, but I I guess I'll say it now. This is a must-win game for Patrick Mahomes for his legacy, and I'll tell you why. Not not for his like legacy to finish like top five all time, but if Patrick Mahomes ever wants to be considered the greatest quarterback to ever live, he needs to win this game because this is probably surely going to be the last time they face off in the playoffs. If we're looking back fifteen years from now, Mahomes has four or five rings. Let's say he's four and one, five and one, five and two in the Super Bowl, and. His blemish is that he's zero for two against Tom Brady and couldn't beat Tom Brady in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If Mahomes loses this game, I don't think there's any way, no matter what he does, there's any way he ever it can be considered the greatest quarterback ever. I think this ends this ends the goat debate for at least the next twenty years. <laughs> if Patrick <laughs> Mahomes loses this game, so you're saying you're saying it ends it before it starts. <laughs> Um, like well no, he well, well right now he's on the path winning the Super Bowl in, in your first two years. Brady, Brady did it, or Brady did it in the, his first three years. So look if if Mahomes wins two Super Bowls in his first three years starting, he is well on that path. But if, Jay, if he loses this game, I think it ends it.
2: you make you make a great like, I've never really thought about that, and it makes sense because, like you said, fifteen years from now we we'll be looking back comparing the careers, even though Patrick Mahomes may have more accolades we'll always look back and say he couldn't beat Tom Brady. And there's no, oh, he was young. There's no, oh, his team wasn't as talented. Right. No, like his team is talented. He's in the prime of his career. So if, like you said, if he loses this game, he will always have something to hold him back. Even if he has more Super Bowls, more MVPs, we'll always say he couldn't beat the old man in the Super Bowl or when it counts the most.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that's an interesting point. I never really thought about it like that, but I kind of agree. I, I kind of have to agree with that. And I mean, not only the fact that you couldn't really necessarily be Tom Brady, but he couldn't be Tom Brady at when Tom Brady wasn't man. even at peak. Or in, old like, is, right? Like forty-three year old Tom Brady, and Tom Brady's still playing very well. But like, right. I think we can all agree that like Mahomes is probably the best in the game right now. And we'll see. I mean, it's possible that the Bucks could still. It, it kind of it. It depends on what happens in the game. Like if Mahomes outplays Brady, but the Bucks still win, then maybe I won't look back at the ONC two record. I mean. Hindsight, you probably like people probably would, but like if you really take a deep dive and if like Mahomes, if still played ex- excellent, maybe I won't criticize him too much. But I like that, but I, I honestly like that take, Jake. Um, and I'm going to absolutely say that the Bucs have a very good chance to win, obviously, because they have, I mean, Tom Brady, the greatest of all time. So obviously there's that. But uh, the Chiefs, offensively, obviously we know the Bucks cannot match up with their weapons. We saw it in the first matchup to. Carl and Davis on Tyreek Hill, man on man. That's just not a smart idea at all. But the Bucs, they do have, uh, like the Bucks' strong suit has honestly become their outside pass rush. We saw it against the Packers, I believe Shaquille Barrett and uh, JPP had, what, three sacks combined? I think they had like five sacks in total as a team. And the Chiefs are going to be missing both their offensive tackles in this game. And those are two high, like, vocal yeah. level tackles. The, the Bucs have great outside pass rushers. So I think mean, you know, Mahomes, he does do that thing where he drops back like 15 yards, but still, just, uh, you know, it's that's absolutely going to be a mashup that the Bucks have to attack. And I think that they can just because the Bucks defense, and really their team in general, but mainly their defense, just they seem to be in ascension mode. Like every game, this Bucks defense just seems to get better and better and better. And they're becoming really an elite defense, all things considered. Um, but I don't think you could... I'm probably going to lean towards the chiefs just because like I said before, they have that unstoppable gear where it's like on offense, when they are clicking on every single level, quarterback, play calling, weapons, everything is clicking at the same time. It's just, they simply cannot be stopped with any, like no team can stop them.
3: Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. I think um, Jake, Jake brings up a really interesting argument and I can, Totally see it playing out within the next, you know, 10 years should he lose the Super Bowl, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Because even, even Will, to your point, even if, you know, he outplays Tom Brady, as I expect he will, um, but still loses the game somehow, it's tough because, you know, all history is going to remember is the L. Yeah. So it's going to be tough to to, to kind of uh, bounce back from that if you're Patrick Mahomes. But I think they should and will win this game. I think it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be a symbolic passing of the torch from one goat to the next and uh and i think it's going to be a, a, you know what closer than people think i think it will really be a competitive game and very fun to watch
0: yeah and i mean last point here I, oh, his overall legacy i don't think would take a hit but it's really just him becoming the goat possibly becoming right. the goat. like if you compare him just to tom brady it's like yeah okay i mean he lost twice to him in the playoffs so it's like it's kind of tough to put him over brady unless he like wins eight rings or nine rings you would have to just outplay you know, got, just, I, you hope, know. I hope i hope Daniel's for
3: the sake of the sport that doesn't happen yeah either. i hope
0: so too i mean obviously daniel you think he's gonna win less than four so i'm sure you're I, hoping he loses I love that
1: i love that take i like that <laughs> i think uh, i think he's gonna finish at four because it's in three years okay. i think he'll win two at two of the next three and then after that it's gonna be very hard to build a team around him so I would say he gets three in his first five years playing, and then he'll get one more in the next
3: 10,
0: 10 got years. Is, we, saw that. we
3: saw that with Brady too. Same thing with Brady, right? He had well, what, Brady, nine years Brady took a lot of Brady. Well, yes, but,
1: but, well, yeah, and then Brady started taking the pay cut. So in right. nine years, when Mahomes or ten years, and when Mahomes' contract expires and he's thirty-four years old, if he wants to take pay cut until he's forty, win two or three more Super Bowls like Tom Brady, then then that that will be the way he gets so he gets to five. He he's not getting to five in the next nine years, or ten no. even ten years. He will no. not be at five rings, maybe even four rings by the time that contract expires. And and I think he will play to the end of that contract. Yeah, yeah. sure.
0: Right. I mean, in terms of the number of rings, I'd, pro, I'd, I'd yeah, I'd say four to five. I think he's, I mean, he's certainly capable of winning more, but I'd say at least four rings. I don't see it with how good this guy is at, at this age. I don't see him winning any less than four. So at the bare minimum of four. But I could see him ending up with as many or more than Tom Brady uh, by the time his screw done. Uh, but we're going to move on to our final topic. Of course, we're sticking with the NFL. Uh, and it's, you know, the news broke a few days ago, obviously, that the Lions and Matthew Stafford – are going to be mutually parting ways um, that you will be traded. A lot of teams are starting to take interest. Uh, so really it's a two-part question with with the Lions and with Matthew Stafford. Who do we think the uh, Lions' next franchise quarterback will be? They have the number seven pick, so we'd assume that they're going to be looking into obviously drafting a quarterback in this 2021 class. Uh, and then the other part of the question is what teams should be interested in calling to trade for Matthew Stafford?
1: Well, um, I'll leave or, you start. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Really? Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the next quarterback going to be Zach Wilson, whether they take him at seven, whether they trade up, because I, th- I think that they'll get a pick uh, for Matthew Stafford because well, what they're doing is they're just cutting his salary. Like they know they're probably not going to get a first round pick. So they just want all the ammo they can get and kind of make it like a one for one trade, not Stafford for for trading up and taking Zach Wilson. So that- that's what I think is going to happen. I think Stafford goes to the Pats. Uh, that's just a-, a perfect fit. I, I, they have the cap space. They're going to – their uh Tooney's coming off the book. So they have a bunch of cap space. They're like top three or top five in the league in cap space. So that they can take on Stafford's contract and, and build a formidable team around him and still draft a weapon at pick 15 because I, they're not going to need to uh, trade 15 away for Stafford. Stafford's not worth that. So they'll have Stafford and still pick 15 to draft a weapon on offense. So uh, as far as fit goes – I like that. Just give Bill Belichick a quarterback, not named Cam Newton, please don't do that to him ever again. But um, yeah, maybe Steelers, Niners,
3: but I think uh, New England's a perfect fit. Max, you want to go? Okay. Uh, so I don't know if you guys uh, saw, but I came out finally with my Morero mock draft 1.0 over mm. on the TWSN website. You guys down. Can Check out the, uh, the article if you guys want to. But uh, so in that mock, this was before the Matthew Stafford uh, news came out, but we all figured he was probably going to be on the trade block anyway. So I had, I had him, or I had the Lions taking Trey Lance at seven. Um, and I think that would be the perfect pick for them at that position. Should they not? Cause again, my mock draft had it, had it so that I don't like to predict trades. It's kind of unpredictable. Yep. Um, so I just, I think Trey Lance is per- primed for number seven right there. And I think, you know, he's a bit of a project quarterback. I think, you know, he's going to need some time to develop. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and sign a veteran quarterback to kind of just be the, the bridge quarterback of a sense to allow Trey Lance to develop. I don't think they're the type of team that should, you know, start him immediately. Um, I think if you get if you take a guy like a Zach Wilson, I think he is good enough to be start to start immediately. But I just think Trey Lance should give him some time to uh, to develop. So I think that would that's the quarterback they should go for at that position. Should they not trade um, and I think the Colts would be the perfect spot for Stafford because after all of these years of mediocrity and underachieving in the postseason, even when he had Megatron, and I don't even think it was really Stafford's fault. It's just, you know, it's the Lions. Lions to the Lions. They're, they're an underachieving franchise. Put him in a position to succeed. You saw what the Colts did with an aging Phillip Rivers, with a Phillip Rivers on the last year of his playing career, who was a shell of what he used to be. And even they made it to the playoffs and made it a pretty interesting game against the Bills. Who's to say that Matthew Stafford couldn't make them real title contenders? Is that even fair? Un, like unfair to say? Um, you know, you give him that, give him that offensive line, you give him that those weapons in that running game with that elite defense. I think Stafford is deserving of of being the starting quarterback for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, Jake, like
2: Wilson, the Lions. I don't know if it's because Matthew Stafford is somewhat of the same play style, but. Wilson's a gunslinger, man. I want to see. I think you throw him right into the fire because you got weapons, right? If Galladay resigns, you got DeAndre Swift. You got weapons, so throw him into the fire. Start off your new franchise or your with your new head coach and give a give them Wilson and Max. I really like the Colts of Stafford because. The Colts, they have the team, right? They got the defense. The offensive line's legit. Jonathan Taylor's there. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to really make, a, I think, a huge splash next year. Stafford could potentially make them not Super Bowl contenders, but can definitely contenders in the AFC. Um, yeah, I like that. And part of the reason I like Wilson to the Lions is because he also lets... Justin Fields go to the Panthers. That's been my biggest thing all offseason long. I think Justin Fields to the Panthers, After even after we talked to Coach Rule today, it sounds like the type of quarterback he was describing, it could be Justin Fields, but I don't know. That's I think Stafford to the Colts could definitely be something, something good.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if everything <clears throat> stays pat, I think obviously Trey Lance at this point, and again, you guys obviously know – not exactly a draft expert, but it looks like Trey Lance projecting to possibly be that fourth quarterback taken off the board. Is he the fourth best? Maybe not, but it looks like just Lawrence is going to be number one. Fields is probably going to be number two. Zach Wilson three, and Lance just off the current projections. So, I mean, Trey Lance, you know, you look at the other teams, the Jets, will they draft a quarterback? I think they should, uh, but it looks like they may not be. So you assume that they don't, then it's really the obviously the Jaguars and the Falcons so that would leave in, you know, assuming that the Panthers – and the Lions, they don't trade up and they just stay pat. Obviously, the Lions could have the option of Wilson uh, or Trey Lance. I'd probably go Wilson. I think he's a little bit more pro-ready. Like Lance, like you said, is a little bit more of a project, mainly just because he hasn't played like a full season of actual football in a while. Like he obviously had that one showcase game. Uh, so I think obviously you. I don't really like the idea of putting Trey Lance just as the starter week one in the NFL after yeah. not having played football in like two years. Uh, I don't think that's a very good situation. <clears throat> uh, but I think Trey Lance would be great. Even I think even Trey Lance could be good going to the Panthers, just because, mm-hmm. you know, can just be the backup, uh, or the even the Falcons because he can just be a backup to a Matt Ryan or a Teddy Bridgewater kind of guy. Um, so obviously the or the Lions, they're going to draft a franchise quarterback this year, uh, and they're obviously going to get that rebuild going.
3: I got but, I got one thing I want to say. Ooh. I don't know why it just right. hit me just now. So assuming they take Trey Lance at seven. Why not Mitchell Trubisky as the bridge quarterback for the Lions? I think that would be it's a weird fit, but hear me out. I don't think Trubisky's going back to the Bears. A lot of teams are going to be trying to trade, they're either going to be drafting quarterbacks, the ones that are needy for quarterbacks are either going to be drafting or they're going to be trying to move for an Aaron Rodgers. Well, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is on the market, but a Deshaun Watson, a Stafford, one of these guys. Could be the Bears even. I, I just I, and that leaves Trubisky in a weird spot is Trubisky a backup quarterback or is Trubisky a starting quarterback for a decent team? Or is he just the definition of a bridge quarterback? I think he's a definition of a bridge quarterback. I think he's good enough to start on a team that isn't really looking to contend immediately, but is trying to develop a young guy. And I think Trubisky would be the perfect fit for, for the lions. Um, he has familiarity in that division. Um, I just think it's a good situation. And you know, especially if you take a Trey Lance at seven, like, you know, Will and I have mentioned, I don't think it's a good idea to start him day one. I don't think he's ready to start day one. Um, and I think Trubisky would be decent enough to at least win a few games. Obviously they're gonna be rebuilding regardless of who the quarterback is, but I don't know. I just thought of that. I, I know it may not happen, but I don't know why that thought popped into my head.
0: I mean, I, I like the idea, uh, but here's my thinking with that, with that <clears throat> uh, theory. The Bears and the Lions, if they made a trade, uh, Trubisky going to the Lions, and then obviously Matthew Stafford going to the Bears, and obviously like picks and other stuff involved. But com- comes to players just exchanging their quarterbacks, um, I don't know if I really see the Lions wanting to <clears throat> trade Matthew Stafford, their longtime franchise quarterback, to a division rival. I just yeah. I don't know if I really want to. I mean, I understand the the thinking of you know what the Bears need, and that makes perfect sense. But I just don't know if I see the Lions being willing to but trade.
3: He's them. isn't he a free agent? Trubisky, they didn't take up his fifth year. I believe he's a free agent this year. Oh that's why I say that. That's okay, why I'm okay, saying because okay. obviously I, I don't you, think I think no no it. no because because I agree with you. I think if it was a trade, they wouldn't agree to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But um, but I think as no, a free, free agent, agent that could be a decent sign. Trubisky
1: is a free agent next year. He has one more year left on his contract. Does he? Are you sure? His his fourth year. This is year wait. Oh, this is year four, isn't it? Oh, they didn't pick yeah. up the option. Yeah, he's a free agent, I
0: believe.
3: He's a free okay. agent. Yeah, yeah. All
0: right. Okay, yeah, then I, I follow that, certainly. Uh so yeah, a couple other teams that I just, you know, kind of thought of. I mean, the 49ers, like I Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't know if they're really <laughs> – I don't know if Kyle Shannon and then the 49ers are, like, completely sold on sticking with Jimmy Garoppolo long-term. Yeah. I could see it. It might be a little bit unrealistic, but, I mean, like, you can't tell me that if the Niners switch out Garoppolo for – um. Matthew Stafford that that does not <clears throat> put them right back into the Super Bowl conversation with the team that or,
2: they
0: or that Falcons,
2: Falcons trade Matt Ryan to the 49ers pair back up yeah. no. with Matt Cannon potentially. Oh, no. they
1: did pick up his option. No, he's a he's under wait. What?
3: Jake they didn't pick up his fifth year option. He's a free agent. He's a,
1: he's a free under team. agent in 2020.
3: Oh, this is it 2021. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's confusing. I know. I had to do research as well, real um, quick. Yeah,
2: yeah just, just to wrap it up, I guess, it's pretty much sold that the Lions are gonna draft the quarterback this yeah. year. Whether it's Wilson, Fields, or Lance, they're gonna draft the quarterback, get rid of Safford, and hopefully get a pick or two back.
0: Yeah. And I mean, honestly, when it comes to Matthew Stafford, Washington football team, the Broncos, football
2: uh, team. That would be a scary team.
0: Yeah, I mean, with a like Matthew it, Stafford with an actual running back and a Terry McLaurin, that's and that, amazing team's ready, defense. that team's ready to compete right now. they oh, yeah, team would win the, NL, or
3: the NFC East, obviously. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I would agree with that. Oh, actually, yeah. unless, unless Dallas people are sleeping on Dan, the Dan Quinn hiring for Dallas, that remember Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator is a Super Bowl winner with Seattle. I mean, he's 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 the one that helped construct the Legion of Boom. So let's not forget that. I mean, that's a legitimate hire, and should Dak come back? And, you know, I'm assuming Dak's going to get his extension. If he, uh, you know, plays anywhere near to what he has, you know, in the past, that's a real contending team, but they always underachieve, so you never know. Yeah.
1: If the Cowboys if the Cowboys don't re-sign Dak Prescott, they should be relegated to the AAF.
2: The, but, okay, listen. I think saying? they're going to franchise him again.
1: I think – I well, think – if Dak, if Dak, if if Dak Prescott is not playing in a Cowboys uniform next year, and hopefully he comes back for Week One, I, th- I think he'll be fine. The Cowboys should be relocated to the AAF if they if they are without if if they have to play on a different quarterback next season than Dak Prescott. That's the guy for that franchise. He's a winner. Yeah.
2: <laughs> all I'm going to say is wait, why we, wait, we, honey? We,
0: no, uh, all I'm going to say is if we want to talk about Dak, we could we could talk about Dak and the Cowboys for like half an hour. Uh, if we really wanted to. But we're not going to do that, guys. Um, that's going to do it for us uh, on today's show. It was a great show. Had a lot to talk about. Um, so much stuff happened uh, last weekend in the sports world, obviously. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, of course, follow all our social medias, our Instagram and then uh, and our Twitter. And of, of course, follow all of our personal social medias as well. I mean, all these guys, uh, you know, Max, Daniel, and Jake, they've all made their mock drafts. Um, I haven't done a mock draft. Maybe I should get in on the action on this. And it sounds pretty fun. Uh, So, of course, you know, read all those mock draft articles. They're all pretty unique, I would say. And they're definitely worth a read. Of course, download our mobile app and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you really like what we're doing here, be a part of it. And we appreciate the support.